Let us pray. God revealed in Father, Son and Holy Spirit, reveal yourself in my words this morning. Might we get a closer sense of who you are and who you call us to be as we gather this morning. I've preached more Sunday sermons on today's Bible passage than any other. I love it. There is so much richness and depth to these five verses that I don't think I could ever run out of sermon material. Every three years, this passage is the text for Trinity Sunday, most likely because Jesus uses the words, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's actually not a lot of reference to the Holy Spirit in Matthew's Gospel. So this is a double-take moment for the disciples. Wait, what did he just say? Father, Son, Spirit, what the? It's like they were dropped volumes of Trinitarian theology in one sentence. Then Jesus drops the mic and leaves them to it. As attractive as it may be for some to delve into those volumes of Trinitarian theology, in the limited time that I have this morning, I do think there is more value in exploring the question, how does who God is impact who I am, or at least who I should be? My years of theological study and my personal formation in my Christian journey have left me with a level of understanding about God as Trinity. But still with many unanswered questions and gaps. The best advice I can give is to be faithful to what you do understand and leave the mystery to God. The biggest gap in my understanding is that the triune nature of God as Father, Son and Spirit, with all the added extras that the creeds of the church try and explain, is not normal to the human experience. When I try to explain or understand God according to the human condition and my understanding of it, I always fall embarrassingly short of the magnitude of who God is and end up in some form of heresy. The God I have encountered is way bigger than my head can comprehend or explain. God is anything but normal. In the times that we are in at the moment, I think it's really important for us to reflect on this. If God is anything but normal, then what does that mean for the church and for Jesus' followers? I've heard the expression new normal so many times that I'm well and truly over it. But at the same time, I think it is encouraging that society as a whole has glimpsed the possibility for a different and better way. I was listening to an interview with Nikki Gumbel from Alpha and Holy Trinity Brompton in the UK earlier this week. And he mentioned that in a recent survey in the UK, which asked people if they wanted to go back to normal, only 9%, that's 9%, said that they wanted to go back to normal. That's amazing. As much as I find that statistic really encouraging, I wonder whether the desire for the familiar, comfortable, reliable, relatable and understandable will be far more appealing than continuing lives of rapid change. 
I have to admit that since the announcement last Sunday that Queensland was moving to stage two early, I've been all consumed with questions like, what can we do that we used to do and do it safely and inclusively and in a way that enables us to work within our capabilities and capacities as a church? What should we be rethinking? What should we not be rushing back to? What is never going to be possible again? It's been doing my head in. It would be much easier, so much easier, to just to do the things the way that we used to do them, or at least as much as we are able to, and not worry about anything else until it's possible to do everything we used to be able to do again. Amongst the noise of my brain clatter, I've heard repetitive phrases that keep both settling and disturbing me all at once. It's not a big, booming, audible voice, but I can only explain it as the prompting of the Holy Spirit. These phrases circulate. We are never returning to normal. Why would you want to go back to normal? You were never called to go back to normal. God does not create normal. God does not call normal people. Jesus' life, death and resurrection was not normal. The Holy Spirit does not do normal things. We are never returning to normal. Welcome to my head. As much as I might want to run away and hide under a rock or switch off for a week or two, and by the time I get back it will have all sorted itself out, I know that I'm called to push through, to be faithful, to lead, to listen and to allow the Holy Spirit to move me to something that is not normal. As much as moving to the new and being transformed is unbelievably hard and it's unbelievably challenging, I just want to say that going back to normal is not as easy as we might first think either. I mentioned the Netflix series, The Last Dance, about the Chicago Bulls of the Michael Jordan era a few weeks ago. In it, Michael Jordan retires in 1993 to play, to play baseball, but then decides to return to his normal and play basketball again in 1995. The series reveals how hard it was for him and how hard it was to get his body back into basketball shape. He had to transform to play baseball, but then needed to transform again to play basketball. And this was arguably one of history's most natural athletes. The older I get, the more I learn that I have to adapt and change. And I, I can't always do what I used to consider normal. I used to be able to play multiple sports multiple times a week. If I try to do that tomorrow, my body would rebel. I used to be able to work late into the night, but I find my ability to concentrate in the wee hours of the morning has left me. I used to be able to write and play songs with all the chord shapes that I knew how to play, but the arthritis in my fingers only lets me play a limited number of these today. Only a couple of months ago, I was going to the gym four to five times a week. If my gym reopened tomorrow and I went back to normal, I would be hurting for months. 
I can't find anywhere in Scripture where God calls us to return back to normal. I can find plenty of times when we are called to return to the Lord, but that always seems to be for the purposes of our individual or collective transformation. Last Sunday, I was able to do for the first time since lockdown one of the things I love doing most in ministry, baptise. On the first Pentecost, the disciples baptised 3,000. This year in 2020, I did one. In today's passage, we, like the disciples, are commanded to baptise in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. While in our church, technically it's only the priests that can form, perform the sacrament of baptism, every single one of us is called to this greater commission. God has called each one of us to be active in the life, work, ministry and mission of the church. I want to give you a trinity of very practical ways of doing this as we prayerfully wait for what God is calling us to next, prayerfully allowing God to reshape us. If we are not returning to normal, these three things move us towards transformation and ensure us the new is something that we can actively be part of. The first one has been up on your screen because I forgot to put an extra slide in the um, presentation. And it's reconcile. The first symbol of baptism I use is water. Water symbolises reconciliation. A call to reconcile with God and with each other. What do you need to do to reconcile yourself to God? Right now. What do you need to stop doing? What do you need to start doing? We are broken, vulnerable, and we do sin. There is always a need to go deeper, draw closer, and be reshaped by the Holy Spirit, no matter how many online church services we go to on a Sunday. If that part wasn't hard enough, what do you need to do right now to be reconciled to someone in your life? A broken relationship, an ongoing argument, words that have damaged and silence that has not healed. Reconciliation does not mean going back to what it used to be. That would be like going back to normal. Reconciliation sometimes means we no longer have the same or an active relationship, but we do not allow the hurt to consume us, but are transformed by forgiveness and grace. The second symbol I use in baptism is oil. Anointing with oil shows that you are chosen and unique and God has called you. How transformative would it be if you could see yourself as God sees you? It's often one of the hardest things to do. And that's where Christian community is so vital. Can you point out to someone you know how chosen unique and called they are can you offer simple encouragement a phone call an email a coffee coffee in a cafe that's reopened write an old-fashioned letter encourage 
The last symbol that I use is a candle that we light from our Easter candle. I explain that it reminds us that when times are dark and hard, Jesus is always with us and we are never alone, just as we are promised. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I said last week that there is nothing more powerful and impactful than God at work in the life of a follower of Jesus. It can be as simple as praying this prayer right now. Come, Holy Spirit, and allow God to shine through you. Too often we take Jesus' promise, I am with you always, as a presumptuous way of saying, God's always on my side, or any way that I choose to go is okay with God. God is always with us. But when we are with God, we shine. We are not returning to normal. But we were never called to be anywhere near what normal could be interpreted to be. We worship an incomprehensibly extraordinary God. Let's let this God transform us and the church, our church, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.